Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It is time once again for the Mainland Podcast. This is episode number 355, and I'm your host, Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, an independent website that covers Orlando City, the Orlando Pride, OCB, and all things soccer-related in the city beautiful. Joining me, as always, from Tallahassee, Florida, David Rowe. Dave, how you doing? I, I'm okay, Michael. Um you know, uh, I'm glad to be, of course, talking to you and getting ready for another match. But, uh, you know, as we're going to get into a um, bit of a mixed bag, a bit of a let down uh, this past match, but still some bright notes. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, description overall of what happened Wednesday between Orlando City and the Philadelphia Union. We will, of course, be getting into that. And uh, we have... Uh, a game to get ready for in just a couple days. Again, as this drops, it will be one day before the Lions visit Lumen Field in Seattle to play the Sounders on the road. That's right. Three games in eight days, two of them Ugh. on the road on AstroTurf or whatever they're calling the synthetic fields these days. Not grass. No, fake plastic grass. And that is not as good as the Radiohead song, Fake Plastic Trees. Mm -mm. Definitely not. Real grass, better. Yeah. All right, let's get into it then, Dave. The Lions came home after a pretty crappy game at New England, feeling pretty good, and getting an early goal would make things even better, and that's exactly what Orlando City did as Duncan McGuire, of course, he gets the start instead of Archankara in this game and goes out and scores a great goal that was, was set up by a fantastic little passing play from Pereira to Ojeda, and Ojeda with a nice little flick to just perfectly send in Maguire behind the defense, and had uh, or he broke the line anyway. He broke that last uh, defensive midfielder. Still a defender that he had to beat, 
and he took that first touch was a little heavy and you're like, oh, that was going to be such a good scoring chance. But then Duncan just didn't want to stop there. He decided to go to ground, slide, gather the ball back in. He cleared himself of the defender, got up and put a left footed shot inside the left post past former Lion Joe Bendick. One nothing early Lions. He had to work for that goal. Um, there was the, the amount of effort and determination in getting that goal. I mean, there's skill too. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's not, let's not diminish the amount of skill it took to do that, but the determination to, as you say, take the heavy touch and then go, Oh, I need to win that back to win it back. Go left, clear himself from the defender. Also get just enough, um, to the left of Joe so that he can put it right into the bottom left corner. uh, Honestly, if it wasn't for, If it wasn't for the dang other goal that we're going to talk about later, it'd be the best goal of the match. Yeah, Duncan was, uh, he he was like, this is too easy. I got to make it a higher degree of difficulty. So let me just take a heavy touch here. Let the ball get way out to and far in front of me. And then I'll have more to do. And so he he did that. And uh, he made it a little more, a little more interesting than it needed to be. But uh, in the end, all you, all that matters really is the ball goes in the net, and that's what happens. So one nil Lions, things are looking good. Orlando City was doing a very good job of controlling the play in terms of not letting Julian Carranza and Michael Ure get into the box. The, the I thought the center backs played fantastically in this game in terms mm-hmm. of keeping those two quiet. There were some hopeful crosses in, but anything that crossed in was dealt with by Antonio Carlos and Roman Janssen. Um, I, I would say that... Uh, there were not, it was not a universally good game across the board. I felt like Cesar Araujo was very loose with the ball. You never see him passing in the 70% and mm-hmm. his passing was only like, I think 76%. He's normally like around 90 and he was a little sloppy yeah. with the ball in possession. Felipe was giving the ball away, getting the second start in a row. He was, he was cheaply giving it away. Both fullbacks were giving the ball away. And so there was a lot of unnecessary time in the Orlando defensive end just because Orlando was just untidy getting the ball out of there. It was it didn't seem to be anything necessarily that Philadelphia was doing, although maybe I would say maybe it took them a little bit of time to get adjusted to that diamond 442, but they've played this team before. Yeah, of course they have. And uh, look, you're right. There was it was kind of where there was the spine up the middle, like you say, the center backs, um, and then, you know, Mauricio Pereira, and then of course, Duncan McGuire, uh, you know, all pretty good, but the, the fullbacks, not so great. Arojo, um, not up to his usual standard. I'm not saying it was bad, but not his usual standard, what mm-hmm. we're used to, um, you know, all not so great. I, I think that, uh, Angulo had a good match. Um, you know, he was, he was definitely threatening to them with his speed and, uh, you know, and he actually ended up playing multiple positions in that match too. Yeah. I, I said this during like sometime at the, toward the end of the first half, I said the front four are playing really well. The two center backs are playing really well. Everybody else. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good description. Um, but you know, this this was a, a short turnaround and, and you you expect a little bit of fatigue maybe to play, be playing a part. And um, Orlando, though, just wasn't didn't ever seem to be in too much danger without Daniel Gazdog playing. There wasn't a good connectivity with the union's attack. They were 
it was all sporadic. It was, there was occasionally they would get something in and be semi dangerous or, or maybe they would beat the trap. There was one where I, I believe it was Mason Stoddard's best save of the game where I was looking at it live and thinking, when's the flag coming up? Cause that looked way offside and they never ever had to actually put it up because um, Orlando cleared the danger and, uh, and maybe it was onside and it just, it was perfectly timed, but it didn't seem like it live. Uh, the teams went one nil into the half and it really seemed like Orlando had pretty good control of the game, but with only a one goal lead, we've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've seen that too many times before and you, you certainly were not feeling secure, especially against a, a team like Philadelphia, who is very dangerous. Um, yeah, the defense, as you mentioned, uh, especially the center backs did a very good job. Maybe Philly was unable to convert. I think in the first half they had five uh, corners, um, and mm. Orlando dealt with all of them, um, which we all know how sometimes they are on set pieces. So that was, that was, uh, that was good to see. Um, but yeah, it, uh, definitely wasn't feeling comfortable at that point, but, um, you know, fortunately things got a little better. Yeah. There were quite a few corners in that first half and the, uh, you know, Philly, Philly took a couple of them short and, uh, you know what happens on short corners. Uh, usually not good things, at least for Orlando City. <laughs> nothing nothing really came of them. Second half, the Union looked like they came out really wanting to jump on top early, um, pressuring, putting some putting some uh you know, threatening Mason Stadohar a little bit. Uh got in and Mason made a good save in the in the first few minutes. And then uh Orlando City did something they haven't been doing at home a lot lately, which is to get that second goal. And this was a, an amazing job. I I I love sitting in the press box and watching some of these plays develop because I could tell as soon as Ojeda had the ball on the right and started to come inside, I could tell what he had in mind because it, it just looked like he was floating a little bit, like he's setting up the screen so that Bendit can't see his shot. He's got two defenders in front of him. He's got McGuire kind of taking up some, uh, some attention, and he figured, well, if I can just find the hole to put the ball in, I should be able to beat him to the back post. And that's exactly what happened. He he was masterful at screening the goalkeeper with his movement. And even though it deflected off of, of Duncan, I don't think that it changed the trajectory enough to where Bendick would have gotten to it. I just don't think Bendick even saw the shot until it was too late to move to get it. Um, I, I don't think Bendick saw it either. Um, you know, for me looking at it on TV um, on the replays, it, it did look like it might have, it, you know, Bendick may have gotten some fingertips on it, so it may or may not have impacted whether it went in. It's hard to tell, you know, regardless, Duncan is given the the goal because it did, you know, to his credit, he's trying to get out of the way of the dang thing. He just mm -hmm. couldn't. Yeah. And it skips off his, his heel uh, and goes into the bottom left corner again. Um, but it was a... It, the setup was excellent, as you said, with that that shot by Ojeda, and and I hate that he didn't get the goal. Duncan hated that he didn't get the goal. I mean, he ran up to him and he's like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if what they said on TV, but that absolutely was Ojeda's goal because they never changed it. We uh, oh, did they? Okay. We in the press box were told that it was Ojeda's goal. We questioned it. We're like, "Look, it obviously hit him." That you could see on the there were two replays where you couldn't tell if it hit him, but one of them was pretty clear, and then. Uh, they talked to Opta and Opta said, no, that that's Ojeda's goal per Opta rules, but they wouldn't explain what rules that 
you know, those were. So well, they didn't explain it to the guys in the press box either, because uh, on the on the TV, they said it was a, a Duncan goal. So, yeah, there you go. And there was a press box announcement at one point that that they had given the goal to McGuire after that. But that never actually happened. So I don't know why that was announced that way. But um, so it was confusing for everybody. But after the game, you know, we we asked both players. And Duncan said, look, I'm not going to take that goal away from Ojeda. <laughs> and, uh, right. And Ojeda was very diplomatic too. He said, he said, whether it's, if it's Duncan, it's Duncan, if it's me, it's me. But either way, it was just, uh, um, you know, we're just happy to get the goal. So, um, right. both players, uh, did the right thing and said the right things afterwards. There's, there's no fighting over goals. That was, uh, it was a great play. I, even if Duncan got credit for it, he didn't really know a whole lot about it other than I, I didn't quite get all the way out of the way. Yeah, exactly right. And so, well, good. I mean, if, if Ojeda got the goal, I'm actually pretty happy about that. I mean, I'd been happy either way, just like the, the guys. But, um, you know, he like you say, he did all the work on that one. So, good. So, 2-0 and things look pretty good. But then the game turned on an accident and, a, and the worst kind of accident in that Jack McGlynn crossed the ball in from the right, tried to pick out Michael Ure. He was sandwiched between two center backs. And I, from where I was sitting, I could tell that that's probably getting headed away by an Orlando player or it's going over everybody. It didn't look like Ure was ever going to get to that ball in between those two defenders because uh, they had very, very tight coverage. They basically squeezed him down to where he couldn't really move. It was a blind alley, but the ball unfortunately had a trajectory to take it inside the right post or the left post, Mason Stadohar's right post. Mason hasn't played a lot of MLS games. He's a backup goalkeeper and didn't recognize the danger until it was too late to make the stop. He still came close to stopping it, but that's one, unfortunately, that I think Pedro Galese, with his experience and his reflexes, gets to and keeps out. Mason didn't do it, uh, although Mason had a good game. That was a mistake, I think, by the young goalkeeper as, as not being prepared for that ball to get over everybody, and uh, and it cost Orlando, and it was two one. Yeah, you're right. It was that was that was the big mistake by Mason. Uh, you know, I, he did play very well, honestly. If you look at the majority of what he did, um, he had some amazing one on one stops that mm -hmm. absolutely was you know keeping Orlando with the lead. Um, but that one misjudged, uh, made the wrong decision, and unfortunately, it ended up in the back of the net. Yeah, so it's the accidental goal puts Philly back into the game. They're, of course, the more rested team coming in. On, hadn't played in 11 days. Orlando City was starting to get fatigued around that time because that, that goal came in the 60th minute. Their legs started getting heavier. Um, Orlando made some changes, took off. I think the two players that probably were not the most, not at their best of the 11. And that was Felipe and Kyle Smith came off and uh, he decided to go three at the back and put in uh, Rodrigo Schlegel. And then it, that should take some, some of the, some of the issues away that Santos was having on the left side, move him up higher. You got a little bit more coverage and they were solid. And again, from that point to the end of the game, there was very little danger in the middle of the pitch from Philly. Everything that they did that was dangerous came from outside the box. And there was a lot of luck involved in this game for Philadelphia to come back and draw it. But, uh, you know, I, the old saying, you'd rather be lucky than good. Philly got some luck on this night. They had uh, a 2-1 game. Things were going, I thought, pretty well. 
They had an opportunity to make it 3-1 as McGuire drew Joe Bendick out. This happened a couple times. Joe was out of position a few times. If I were a Philly fan, I'd be like, oh my God, Andre Blake, come back quickly. Um, but it, he drew Bendick off to the right. He just gives the ball to Angulo for a sitter from eight yards out with an empty net to shoot at. How do you get under that and put it over the bar? You have to, I don't care if you hit the top of the ball, you have to make sure that ball stays under the bar from that position. Angulo with a, a great game, but he really messed up on that opportunity to put the game away. He did. I mean, like I say, the rest of the match, he was, um, you know, his speed was causing problems, uh, in both the offense and the defense, um, in getting back. And then later on when he, uh, had moved to the right side, but yeah, uh, he was, could not have been better placed and a ball could not have been, easier to handle. This was not a bouncing ball. This was not anything. It, it came to him clean um, and he just got under it. Yeah. I mean, even if that thing took a bounce off the turf, it was not by more than an inch or two. So you have to, you have to remain calm and composed in that situation and swing an inch or two higher than you normally do so that you can put the, make sure that the ball stays on target. You didn't have to slam it. All you had to do was direct it on goal and it was going to go in. So um, a big mistake there. Um, and that's been the knock on Angulo is his finishing. And that's that that was really came back to bite the team there. And then in the 86 minute, it looked like he atoned for that because, uh, you know, Cara came on for Maguire was uh, exhausted, cramping up, had, had been playing. And Cara came in and a, a ball that was knocked out of the, uh, the top of the box by Antonio Carlos came up over the top. I thought Cara did a nice job of making himself big shielding the ball, holding off Jose Martinez. And mm -hmm. he then basically worked his way past the defense. Again, worked Joe Bendick out of position, put the ball in the middle, Angulo scores. It's 3-1, and everybody's feeling like, hey, finally, the game's put away. We've got four minutes of regulation left. Two-goal lead. Awesome. Sweep of Philadelphia. But, Dave, I want to remind you about this guy, Alex Chilowicz. And uh, the last time that Orlando played Philadelphia at home, they had the same referee. And in that game, you may recall that Philadelphia had a goal that was not allowed because of an offside call that Chilowicz decided was a clear and obvious error, even though it was a very close play and awarded the goal. And then late in the game, when there was a very obvious foul against Antonio Carlos, he called a tic-tac foul on Carlos before the absolute mugging by Gazdog and didn't give the penalty. And that would come back to haunt them again, because if there's anything that Alex Chilowicz likes to do is to let obvious fouls go all game and then make a game, a game changing decision based on the softest call. And that's what he did. He came out and looked at the replay and decided that I guess he's, his decision was that Kara swung his arm at Jose Martinez's head. When in fact, he was boxing out like a power forward and basically he just pushed his way past him. He just like he felt the contact, pushed, got himself clear. Something that happened in that game 500 times probably and had never been any kind of a problem for anyone suddenly was not only a foul, but a yellow card and a game changing foul. Not only that, but look, I get it if let's say Kara had jumped and swung his arm 
uh, trying to win that ball. Or that's not what the, it was. Or even led with the elbow, which he didn't. Or led with the elbow. His arm was didn't. extended. Carr was just taller. And so his elbow was in the area because he was taller. Yeah. And Martinez made a meal of it. I, you know, it looks under, I watched the play 10 times today and it looks like he might've caught him on the neck. Uh, but again, inadvertent and it wasn't a swing. It was just, it was all one motion as he's moving forward and making himself big and, and, and holding off, holding his ground, holding off a defender, trying to come and take the ball from behind. And this was a game where I don't know how many times I saw Glesnes and Elliott take just absolute huge two-handed shoves on Orlando forwards and no no stoppage in play. Uh, one time, McGuire was jumping for a ball, and I think it was Glesnes that got him two hands, fully extended shove while he's in the air, moves him three yards, no call. How is that not called? Uh, it's Chilowitz, Orlando City, Exploria Stadium, Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Uh, Orlando City is five, four, and one with Alex Chilowitz. Uh, oh, four and oh against, uh, I'm sorry, they are they are one, four, and one against teams from the Northeast Corridor Philly, New England, DC, New York Red Bulls with Chilowitz. With Chilowitz. They are 4-0-0 against teams from everywhere else, the South, the Midwest, and the West Coast. Huh. East Coast Weird. bias? <laughs> East Coast bias. Well, not East Coast bias, Northeast Coast bias. That's, yes. Well, we're not on the coast. Atlanta's not on the coast. Yeah. So. <laughs> Neither is Philly. They got a harbor. Yeah. All right. All right. So it's not 3-1. It should be 3-1, and it's not 3-1. Angulo could have atoned for his thing. Uh, Cara definitely deserved an assist for the amazing run through the entire Philadelphia defense and holding everybody off and just out-muscling. Yeah. He just wanted it. He just he made a great play. And yeah. instead, it's a not <laughs> insult to injury. He gives him a yellow card. I, I, again, I watched that so many times today. I'm like, how do you get a yellow card out of that? Martinez makes a meal out of every con- bit of contact. There was a, a point early in the game where he did the Juan... 15 rolls back and forth on the ground. And, and, uh, and then as soon as the referee came near him, all of a sudden he wasn't in pain anymore. Then he was mad. Right. Well, he got the card because he had to justify the call. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crap. And I, I had Philly fans uh, up in there saying that's a, that's a foul a hundred times out of a hundred. Well, in this game, that was a foul one time out of, I don't know how many times, but it's but the other it, times weren't. And you know, if I, here's the thing I, I keep coming back to is that if the game had been called tight, the whole game, then I'm fine with that call, but that's not the way the game was called all night. Right. Yeah. Just consistency. Uh, anyway, still a good chance with a couple of minutes left and stoppage time to win the game. But of course, players turn into freaking Cristiano Ronaldo mixed with Lionel Messi mixed with Pele uh, mixed with Robert Lewandowski mixed with Erling Holland whenever they play Orlando City somehow and uh, you know another non-threatening ball into the box that Carlos headed away he headed about 35 yards out from goal uh, he may have cleared that a little too well because it landed for Jose Martinez who took it on you know immediately first touch and slammed it off the right post and in from just an unbelievable shot, just like Will Trapps against Columbus a few years ago. He'll never do it again against anyone else 
and he's never shown any inclination to do it because this was his first MLS goal and nothing that Mason could have done about that one. If that ball is a half a yard closer, Mason actually makes the save because it doesn't, it was curving, always curving, right? If it's a half yard further out, it doesn't even go on goal. Yeah. And, and let's be also very clear, uh, you know, assuming that he does take it where it's at and it is going into that same spot, Pedro is not getting it either. Correct. No, no goalkeepers making that save uh, uh, with that much power and the way that it was tailing away from the dive and the fact that it kissed in off the inside of the post. That's, that's not something you can cover. Yeah. Nobody, nobody is saving that. So there's, there's no hate on Mason for this one. He had, as I mentioned earlier, he had the mistake on the first goal. There was not a darn thing he could do about the second. Nope. He sure couldn't. And that's unfortunate, but uh, you know, there's still a couple minutes uh, to play. You know, Chilowicz gave seven minutes of uh, injury time because or- he he assumed Orlando would have a one goal lead and needed to put a lot of minutes of stoppage time up there. And uh, unfortunately for him, it was uh, it didn't end up the case. It was two uh, two. So, you know, all that extra time just meant really that one good chance for each team. And the first of those was Ramiro Enrique in the ninety fourth minute smacks the crossbar from a really good shooting position should have done better than that. But, uh, unfortunately, uh, rattled the woodwork. And then two minutes later at the other end, somehow Julian Carranza got in the, for the first time, or I'm sorry, Michael Ure got in for the first time in basically the whole game. And Mauricio Pereira was right on his tail. I don't know where the center packs even were on that one, but that was like the one time they were a wall and he hit one off the crossbar so each team got one off the woodwork in the end. And, and it's ends up in a two-two draw. Not satisfying because of when the goals happen. If that's a two, if 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 the time of the goals was exactly reversed, everyone in Orlando is happy. But because of the time that the goals actually were scored, everybody in Orlando is very unhappy. And uh it unfortunately it's a three in the last four games with a goal given up in the 89th minute, the 86th minute, and the 90th minute. And those are all draws that should have been wins, especially this one. Orlando played well enough and deserved to win this game. They absolutely did. Should have won it. Uh, that goal by Angulo, uh, that car did, should not have been you know, pulled back. Should have been at worst, assuming that the rest of it happened 3-2 on Orlando City win. Unfortunately, it's not the case. 2-2 draw. You're right. Um, everybody is upset. Of course, going into the match, your pick was, or your prediction was a 1-1 draw. Mine was a 2-2 draw. I was exactly right. Hate being exactly right in this way, but uh, what are you going to do? I mean, when when you have troubles at home, when you have troubles with, you have Chilowitz troubles, um, and, you know, let's let's be fair. uh, Also, just getting tired after the 60th minute. This is what you get. Yeah. Missing players hadn't have hadn't had the shorter rest, all of that. Uh, and a very good Philadelphia team. And if you told me at the beginning of the season, Orlando would take four of the six points from Philly this year, I'd been pretty happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, looking back, we may still end up being happy about it. Just we're not happy about it today. True. Yeah. So, um, you know, what I really hate is when you're exactly right on the score because you took my score because you went first. (laughs) Well, don't forget you get to go first tonight. Yeah. I'm going to really blow this one though. Um, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, uh, Dave man of the match, who you got? 
I got Duncan McGuire. Um, even if he doesn't get that sec- you know, get credit for that second goal, um, you know, still went off his heel, but more importantly, that first goal was truly just the effort in it. And then he was causing problems for them in their half when they were trying to work the ball out uh, the entire time he was out there. Um, I thought he really put in some good work. Uh, so for me, it's going to be McGuire. Yeah, terrific hold-up play throughout the night. His passing was pretty good, and he was putting the he was doing a lot of those chesting the ball down to a teammate running into the space behind him. Um, yep. He really had that down. It was it was uh, a great performance by the rookie. I was inclined to give it to Ojeda because I felt like Ojeda might have been the best player on the field for most of this game. I was I was not happy to see him taken off, even though he probably was tired and probably needed to be taken off, but. Uh, I'm like, how do you take him off? He keeps he keeps looking so dangerous in this game. Um, but unfortunately, he did get taken off. Um, I'm going to give McGuire my man of the match as well, just because of the fact that he not only scored the goal and played well all night, but he also should have had an assist on, on what should have been the third goal, but Angulo missed the net entirely. He He really did put in a good shift. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Dave, the the game is behind us. We will look ahead to Seattle a little later in the program. Uh, One other moment of note, really, that we didn't talk about is that Gaston Gonzalez made his return from his injury and promptly got injured again. The game uh, ended with him off the field. He got injured and had his, uh, he had, uh, I don't know how long he was out there, but the, the team had to finish the game on 10 men because he was mm-hmm. unable to continue. It's really tough to see. He's, he's been nothing but plagued by injury since he got here. He was starting to finally get things going when he had the uh, pulled up with the hamstring injury. And then he finally works his way back after a couple of weeks of training. And in his first game back, he does his hamstring again, it seemed like. So I don't know how, um, you know, the severity of it, the fact that he just laid there out of, you know, out of the field of play for as long as he did tells me that, it, it probably isn't good, and and we may we may need to play the rest of the season without him. Yeah, um, and and I look, we don't have any inside knowledge on this, and I am not a physio, but if he came back a week early and that's what did it, and I I'm not saying that that is what happened. Yeah, it could just be unfortunate. It just could be his bad luck. It could just be he's got a bad hammy, but uh, it's still disappointing as all get out. Sometimes this just happens. I mean, he had the knee injury last year and sometimes, you know, you, some parts of your physique get weaker while others get stronger and it's out of balance. Um, I know that, you know, in the early MLS days, Rafael Ramos had issues, repeated issues with his hamstrings. And eventually he found a solution to that. They're going to have to find that solution with Gaston. You can't really simulate how hard a player runs in training uh, when they get in a game, because when they re- get in a game, you got the adrenaline going, you've got to find that extra yeah. gear to win your battle. And sometimes that's when you overdo it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a shame. They obviously felt he was ready and, and or they wouldn't have put him back out there. And, uh, I just feel bad for the kid because he's, you know, if this one keeps him out as long as the last one, then you're looking at the late stages of the season and, you know, again, they're they're going to be even more careful bringing him back next time because of what happened this time. So, even when he returns to training, you're probably still a good month and a half away from seeing him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very unfortunate. And uh, uh, look, 
it's it's just as disappointing as when he went out the first time, just in a different way. You know, first time it was he had started to really come into, you know, doing a good job on the field. And so losing him really stunk. And then this time it was disappointing because it was just so quick. Yeah. So quick. Yeah. It is unfortunate. Um, the, uh, the player who was brought in to get him through his knee injury and onto the playing field and integrated is Ivan Angulo. Ivan Angulo was basically brought in on loan to the middle of the year this year. And, uh, there was a club option to extend that for six months. And, that's what the Lions did. They announced it today, although they said that it happened at a previous time. So kudos to Orlando City for having extended that contract and not or that loan and, and not telling us. I don't know why that would have happened, <laughs> but that's it was just such odd wording. It's like it happened at a previous time. And it just kind of slipped our mind to let anyone know about it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, t- did it happen like earlier that day and you just didn't have time? Was it three weeks ago and you didn't tell us for some reason? It's weird. I'm guessing it's when Angulo scored his second goal of the season. Went, hey, wait a minute. He's actually uh, starting to add some offense to his game. Yeah, that that was probably it. <laughs> so it, it's this is a great move, not only because Gaston Gonzalez is hurt, but because of what the skills that Ivan Angulo brings to this team are unique. I mean, you can find a lot of fast players. You can, it's hard though, to find fast players who are, are good at pressing. They're good at dribbling past players. They're good at taking guys on. Um, they're unselfish. They're willing to pass the ball. Uh, everything that he brings to the team is needed. And of course, if you can get all that package and add goals to it, that's even better. And that he's done that this year. He's had three and he had a fourth one stolen from him on Wednesday night. So uh, already a season high for goals. He's added three assists this year. So he can, he can play with the, with these guys. He knows, he knows his teammates and they know him and he's a fantastic guy to have on counterattacks. So uh, it's a no brainer to extend this six months. And I would not be surprised if there are already discussions going on with Palmeiras about make, you know, what do we need to do to make this, uh, loan a permanent transfer. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, also his versatility. I mean, you know, they can move him uh, to different parts of the field. Obviously, his best is when he's you know up there on the on the left in the attack. But you know, we saw him move to you know the right on defense. Uh, he could be on the left on defense. Yeah, he he's got he's got versatility that is is good. And then in addition to all the things that you already mentioned. Yeah, he's good with both feet. He's a right-footed player, but he's good with both feet. He's been he's been playing some right wing back, but he can play left wing back if needed. He can. We've already seen him play both sides on on the wing up front in the attack. So good on everyone involved. It'll be good to have Yvonne at least through the end of twenty twenty three. And again, really, we wouldn't hate it much at all if he got extended uh, somehow. Absolutely. All right. Dave, the internationals are returning. The internationals are returning. Oh, thank goodness. Facundo Torres is uh, is back. Did not play in the first game for Uruguay, but played in the second, scored his first international goal, a penalty kick in a win over Cuba. Still counts. Congrats to him getting his first international goal. So he continues his uh, his form. He gets to come back. You know, that that's what sucked is he left right when he was really rounding into form. But he scored a goal, and now he'll he'll be back with the team. Uh, 
Pedro Galese played two matches. He got a shutout in the first one. Uh, and in the second one, uh, Japan shellacked Peru and Japan uh, by a 4-1 count. He played and, and uh, also Wilder Cartagena played in that second game. I don't know if Wilder got in the first game, but he played in the second game 89 minutes. So uh, it'll be nice to have them back. They, I was told they were flying straight to Seattle from Japan, which makes sense because it's a shorter flight than coming all the way back to Orlando and then getting on a flight to Seattle. Yeah, much better rest for the two of them after those matches uh, and meeting up in Seattle. So uh, whatever uh, front office person uh, and or Oscar made that decision, well done. Yeah, seems like a no-brainer. All right, so that's all we've got for Orlando City, unless you had something else. Nah, I think we covered it. All right, we've got to get to our mailbag box, Dave. We've got to get to a few other items of note in the last part of our show and our key matchups and predictions for the trip to Seattle to play the Sounders. We're going to get to all of that, but first we have a guest and we're going to get to our guest right after this. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast. Very happy to have with us the founder of Sounder at Heart. Dave Clark is with us. Dave, thanks for joining us. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. It's great to have a fellow soccer fan as well as a fellow Dungeons and Dragons nerd on the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't hide that anymore. And we got a fellow David on the show. Yeah, we do. It's double David, da- double David Day. So, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so, Dave, of course, is from Sounder at Heart, which did not get kicked off SB Nation with the rest of us. Uh, them and the Atlanta blog, I think, are still hanging tough. But just spoke to uh, to one of your uh, your cohorts, and I, I hear big things are afoot for Sounder at Heart. I'm excited for you guys, and I'm happy that you're here to talk a little soccer and preview Orlando City at the Sounders with us. Yeah, I think this is. Uh, I hope this is going to be a good match. I've invited somebody to to join me for the first time as a, a first time guest. We're still finding those after. Uh, 14 plus years now. Um, but, uh, you know, it hasn't been uh, too enjoyable for the past, what, two months. <laughs> now, you know what our first, what, six, six years of existence were like. Well, yeah. <laughs> l- l- let's be fair. This is nothing like that. Um, <laughs> this bad stretch was, is, I think we're down to like in 11 games, one point per game or thereabouts, which, you know, feels bad when you're used to winning a lot, but it's not Orlando year one or Cincinnati years one through three. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Chivas USA. You know, yeah. um, there's a lot of hyperbole among Sounder fans right now about, you know, how dire things are, but you start off really strong and you give yourself a little bit of insurance room, which is handy because third in the West right now, but it feels like third from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's rough when that, when that's your down year that's rough um yeah well we have the world's smallest violin playing for you sounder fans I, I, out there <laughs> yeah it's uh, not suffering no um 
actually our first year was better than our second and third. We kind of went downhill for the next three. Our first one, we were very close to making the playoffs. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. You guys may have not been playing the best soccer in Seattle history of late. However, uh, I understand you may be getting healthier. Tell us what's going on on the injury front there in Seattle. The injury front is is pretty nice. Uh, right now, there are currently only two players injured. They're ones that most Sounders fans aren't aware of. Sota Kitahara, a defensive midfielder signed from Tacoma Defiance just this year. And Ethan Doubleair, a right wing slash right back who was signed from, from Defiance a couple of years ago, but barely plays. Um, you know, if those are your only injuries, things are pretty solid right now. The bad news is MLS decided to play through the Gold Cup rather than put the League's Cup at the same time as the Gold Cup. So this regular season match is going to miss uh, leading scorer Jordan Morris, leading motivation man and talisman Christian Roldan, and the starting right back Alex Roldan is with El Salvador. So we're down three starters because um, we play through the Gold Cup for some silly reason. And then we're going to take a majority of the league will take three weeks off in August because they'll be eliminated from league's cup play and there's no regular season. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, MLS going to MLS, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, tough for you guys, obviously not horrible for us, but it's not like you guys lack any talent. Um, who's still there. That's, that's going to be threatening to Orlando city. Uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz is back healthy, looked dangerous, um, but didn't score against LAFC. Uh, your coast is probably more familiar, though, with his performance against Charlotte, since that was a lot easier to watch than a 10.30 p.m. midweek game, <laughs> where he scored two goals, uh, including the one at the time that looked like it'd be the goal of the year. And then uh, in the past 10 days, uh, two players have shot from midfield and scored. Um, so Rebels blast like fade away 25 yard shot um not going to be the goal of the year that's not even going to be the goal of the month so but he's back he's uh he's only got four goals in the year he only has four starts in the year but the hope is that he is back and ready he was taken off a little early so he'll start and i would anticipate uh the dream is to go up a goal so that he only has to play like 60 because he's been fragile this year. They put him on time limits in training to try to keep him healthy. Uh, Nico Ladero is back and he started on the right wing and it was the most unique right wing ever because he spent more time on the left (laughs) than on the right wing. Um, Albert Rusnak is still healthy, uh, but his time in Seattle is not those gaudy counting stats that you'll remember from uh real salt lake uh, they signed uh you know the biggest free agent in the history history of mls and then immediately tried to turn him into a number six uh and so his counting stats aren't there his forward progression and possession is beautiful it's part of what won champions league for seattle uh last year but it's kind of frustrating when you see when you know a player is capable of a 10 in 10 season and he's sitting there with zero goals and one assist um, for a second year. Uh, it, it's that uh, that lizard part of your brain is like he should have big numbers, and it doesn't matter that like you're like oh the tactics make sense, but 
the tactics make sense and the Sounders have had, uh, as I said, just brief moments of goodness over the past year. And so um, they're trying to unlock that by while Christian Roldan's out moving uh, Rusnak up a line. Yeah, I can I can see the logic in that. And of course, I think um, Seattle's got a, a, a great coach. I think it's a great coaching matchup between uh, Schmetzer and, and Oscar Preha. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, because we need to know your state secrets. How would you attack the Seattle Sounders if you were Orlando City playing a third game in eight days, second one on the road on turf, and having just flown across the the country, having played uh, a tough conference matchup with Philadelphia just a couple of nights previously? How would you go about trying to beat Seattle? I'd push the Sounders for speed, uh, despite the fact that the math says that they're more rested. They look exhausted against LAFC uh which is kind of disappointing they they had 10 days off uh, against LAFC uh, in the midweek match and looked poor uh in the second half in particular they faded around the 55th 60th minute so I'd, I'd push them that way use the youth uh you're probably going to get a goal because right now it seems like LAFC's only goal was a deflected shot that Stephen Fry still managed to get fingertips on um, so kind of make that pressure, force Jackson Reagan and Gamar to stick their legs in weird places and see what happens. Uh, I would probably understand and try to pull Cody Baker out of position. He is the backup right back who won his role as a backup left back. He, he started the season with Tacoma Defiance and MLS Next Pro. He's only 19. Um, he loves getting forward, but Unfortunately, uh, he's a center back in the academy level and a right back at the defiance level. And Seattle wants him to get forward a lot in MLS. So when he leaves those spaces, uh, I think there's an opportunity for teams to take advantage of that. He is a little bit quicker than Alex rolled on in recovery. But um, I would like to exploit that space, knowing that when he gets forward, things are going to get kind of out of shape. And... Uh, I'd probably look to attack that that area. Well, kind of flipping it then on the other side, um, you know, what do you expect from Seattle and their attack against uh, Orlando City in their back line? Wow. Well, that's pretty easy to figure out, uh, sadly. Um, against LAFC on Wednesday night, Seattle had about a 60% left wing, like left wide channel, not left center, almost all left wide. Thanks Apple TV for that fun little graphic that you put up of like the 38th minute every game. Um, and that's because Leo Chu can be a difference maker. He got free frequently against Ryan Hollinshead, who is, when you think about right backs in MLS, uh, I'd put him on my short list for one of the best. And Leo beat him constantly. The problem was there was no one there for Leo to pass to. When his head was up, he kept onto it long. So his passes were either behind or in front or just to empty space. So Seattle's going to attack along that left wing with a very fast winger, faster than Jordan Morris, but um, not as good a crosser and uh, definitely not as good a scorer at this point. Um, but if he can connect with Rui Diaz or Aver, 
good things can happen. I mean, Leo's got uh, six primary assists on the season, including we'll have to convert to MLS counting in the blowout over Sporting Kansas City. He had four assists on all four Jordan Morris goals. Mm. So he's he's got one just incredibly magical moment. And uh, Seattle will probably hope that he can do that again someday. Um, there's been a lot of talk recently among Orlando city fans about artificial turf because the lions just played at new England last Saturday. Uh, it was the first time for a couple of Orlando players on that surface. Now they'll be going to Seattle playing on artificial turf again, from your perspective, you've seen a lot of teams come to Seattle. How long do you think it takes teams to really get a, a handle on how the turf plays? Uh, the good news is they will, um, they'll have the opportunity to train there. I don't know if their, their travel schedule is, but, um, one of the requirements of the league is if the home team trains on the, the standard stadium, the away team gets to too. Uh, and so the Sounders are training there on Friday, which means Orlando can, uh, is able to, uh, the Lumen Field turf is at the end of its life cycle. It's supposed to be rotated out every four years which would basically mean at any moment, but there's no natural break until the NFL season is done. So it's a little, it plays a little worn down. It doesn't look as worn down as it's been in the past, but it plays a little worn down, which means uh, the ball just runs longer. So if you were playing FIFA, that'd be a little bit easier. You want your passes at about 90%, not at 100%, but that's easier to do in uh, games than it is to do in reality. I'd expect that first 10, 15 minutes or so, you'll see you'll see those passes just out of reach. So I, I'm glad Michael brought that up and, and you explained that because something we've talked about on the podcast is um, obviously, as you're well aware, Messi is on his way. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, you might have heard. I, I, you know, maybe you haven't. I don't know. Uh, it's 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 gotten into my newsfeed. So, I, not to get into it deeply, but I, I don't really care one way or the other. Other than if his arrival makes stadiums put in grass because they want him to play there, and he won't play there if they don't have grass. What are the chances? that Seattle puts in grass because Messi's on the way. They won't do it for Messi. They will do it because it's a requirement of the World Cup. And probably for Copa America. And possibly for the Women's World Cup. You know, we're talking three years in a row with 70,000 people at every game. And the timing to do that would be this this winter. Um. We're probably not going to see Messi out here. You know, the the I was looking at it. I, I, we've only played Orlando twice within the last, or this will be the second time in the last four years, because the conferences got so big and mm-hmm. the schedule got so crowded. We you, you only see each team, each each cross conference team at your home stadium. I think it's every fifth year or so now. So. If that's going to be the pattern, and that's going to be the pattern because they're 28, 29, 30, 32, whatever teams coming online. Um, no need to change it for one great player for one um, good moment. 
but the NFLPA taking a very um, active stance against uh, modern field turf will help spur Lumen Fields change. The World Cup coming up will help spur the change. And it's better to take two short road trips rather than one really long road trip to start a season. Like if they did it, if they waited until 2026, they'd basically not play a home game until the World Cup's over. Hey, yikes. Um, well, the thing is that um, I, I would think that the league's schedule makers may put their thumb on the scale to get messy into some of the larger buildings around the league. So uh, just a hunch because uh, they they like money. And let's be honest, that's what this this move, that's why they moved heaven and earth to get messy here <laughs> is because they like money and, uh, and, and they like to be the center of attention and they can finally do that. Related, pushing it back to your way, does that mean y'all will play it? Uh... I guess Citrus Bowl is the easiest way to put it, right? The, yeah, it's called Camping World Stadium now. And, then they, yeah. and I guess they could do that, but I really hope they don't. I, we really feel like we have more of a more of a home at, at Exploria, even though it's a smaller venue. In fact, we've already sold out. I believe it's already sold out the game um, in September against Miami when, uh, when Messi is supposed to be here. So... We'll see how it goes, because I feel like the league is going to learn a lot about security after Lionel Messi arrives. <laughs> yes, that's going to be a, a new challenge that, I mean, it's been, what, eight years since Beckham retired? Like, security turnover is high enough that, like, three people with experience around MLS will have remembered how to deal with the Beckham-level security, and particularly in... Uh, the Sun Belt and the East Coast, um, that's that there's just going to be impossible to handle. Mm -hmm. We had him out here for uh, both Argentina, uh, which is when uh, security screens went up on the fence around the training facility before you could just look through chain link and then they put those black thing, uh, black security screens up. Mm -hmm. uh, that was for the Argentina visit during Copa Americana, the 100th, the Senatario. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Barcelona when they were here, but that was 2009 and Messi hadn't peaked yet. Um, that was just a, a preview of how great he was going to be at that point. Uh, so I don't, I don't, if he comes to Seattle, I don't know um, what the women field staff will do because it's not normal. Mm -hmm. um, it's more like a, you know, the, the list of people is what Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's it. Yeah. Like internationally, like he's up there, you know, with presidents, popes, and like five musicians, and that's it. Yeah, fields will be rushed throughout the the league for sure. Before we let you go, Dave, I definitely want to tap into your brain and and ask you where you think that this game will be won or lost on Saturday night. What what do you see as the key matchup on the field? Um. Seattle will have to find a way uh, to uncrowd that space that is uh, like 18 to maybe 28 yards out and dead center. Um, Rusnak, Nico, and Raul all are at their best right in that space. And um, 
when you get three players that yes they have great great control they're they're quality players they can dribble through traffic fine but passing lanes disappear really quickly you can guard three men with two if you're inside of a 10 10 yard area um and i need one of them to understand that if raul is stepping into that space either albert or nico have to leave it so, and you know vice versa i don't need to run through all the pairings only two of them need to be there at any given time. One of them needs to be an option that is moving in towards goal. One of them needs to be an option that's moving wide. Um, that is really where they, they have trouble. Um, they have to be extraordinarily active there and then getting right into the penalty area. Uh, I want to see less crosses from Leo Chu and more quality opportunities from the three designated players who are supposed to be the best at the game uh combined uh quick math they have five goals and i think one of them's a penalty um and that's just if you have five attacking designated players or three attacking designated players you should have more than four run and play goals and and that just hasn't happened this year it i love jordan morris to death it's great that he's the leading scorer but one of those three needs to challenge him for the top. You can't just be a one-man show, particularly if that man's going to miss six games. Yeah. All right. Well, um, do you have a score prediction in mind for Saturday night? Oof. I'm going to... I really... Because the vibes are really bad right now, I think this could go 1-1. And the comment section of Sounder Heart won't be worth reading because... <laughs> Um, at that point, you're 12 games, you're, you're a third of the season now where, um, you're barely above the playoff line. That, that's only a third of the season where points per match would be barely above a playoff line. And that's only because the playoff line is nine deep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not really excited, which is weird. I mean, this should be a very good game. Um, if Seattle is playing well. There's young talent on the field that mixes in with savvy veterans who've accomplished a lot. You've got multiple players who've been in line for MVPs at various points. Um, that is a team that is supposed to dominate. And right now, um, they're treading water. All right. Well, Dave, where can people find you and your fine work online? Uh, the best place to find me is soundedheart.com. I write there two to four times a week still uh once i when i rejoined um you can find me on twitter at better than that's b-e-d-i-r-t-h-a-n and i'm also on mastodon which would be at better than again that and then again at dice.camp uh both of those i meander about soccer once in a while and then i write about whatever i feel like is well all right dave clark sounder heart uh, founder, we appreciate you coming on, giving us a little bit of background on the Seattle Sounders. Good luck to you, and uh, we'll catch you on down the line. Thank you. And we're back. Big thanks again to Dave Clark of Sounder at Heart for uh, coming on the show and giving us the scoop on the Sounders, a team that we don't see very often, which is kind of good because they're usually a pretty good team. And, uh, you know, You'd rather play crappy teams, quite frankly, to boost your points. 
Yeah, when you're uh, in third place in your conference and you're complaining about it, that's uh, that's not a team we want to play a lot. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm buying the whole "oh, you guys are going to win" uh, act, but um, you know, maybe that's the way they feel. I, I don't know. I, I'm not as confident that uh, Orlando will win this game as as Dave seemed to be. Yeah, uh, you know, and we'll get into why that is, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to apologize to one of our founders who sent us a question. I forgot to ask Dave. I don't know that Dave would have had a great answer, um, but uh, Jerry Hogan had uh, sent in a question about um, to ask our our guest what he thought that the uh, playoff teams would be or the the finishing order would be in the Eastern Conference. I can tell you this: I don't pay nearly enough attention to the Western conference following an Eastern conference team, because I just don't have the time. I kind of have a good idea of who the top teams are and some of the trends, but you know, ordering them would be a pretty tall task. So I'm, I'm not sure that Dave would have been uh, the best person to ask that question, but I do appreciate that Jerry sent the question and I do apologize for not asking it while Dave was on the line. I, uh, I, I goofed, I oversaw, you know, it was an oversight. So, uh, but Please, our founders, please do continue to send questions in for our guests. And uh, I will try to be better about not forgetting. I'm just, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the, the most I know about, uh, you know, Western Conference teams, like you say, is just kind of the generalities and of who's, you know, oh, they're probably pretty good. But if you ask me at any point, hey, uh, what place is such and such in? I will have to be like, let me pick up my phone and go look because I will have mm -hmm. no idea whatsoever. Yeah. It's much different than, you know, what goes on with the Eastern Conference since we cover Orlando. Yeah, we have a pretty good, pretty good idea of, of where things stand. And we've seen most of the Eastern Conference teams in action. Um, and I do try to watch the Western teams as much as I can, but all I can tell you is that Portland's been disappointing. Um, LA, LA galaxy have been disappointing. St. Louis has been surprising, although they've cooled off and uh, yeah, LAFC is still probably going to win the, the West, even though they uh, they've went through a little slump. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if he could have done it, but I, I, I should have asked anyway. And I apologize for that. Dave, what do you say? We open some mail. If you're talking about the mailbag box, I love the mailbag box. I happen to be talking about the mailbag box. And there's a couple of ways that you can ask us anything here at the Mainland Podcast. We will answer your question. You can ask us via email. Email us at themainland at gmail.com. You can ask us on Twitter. Hit us up at the mainland on Twitter with the hashtag AskTMLPC. Or you could go to themainland.com. Click on the old podcast webpage and fill out the form on that page and send that and we can uh, answer it that way so a few ways you can do it dave i'm going to start with the twitters uh, i don't believe we had anything though in the twitters this uh, for the show do you uh, do you see anything in twitter nothing has popped up since we looked earlier so um usually you know the twitters are pretty good but that's that's okay guys second show of the week and you know maybe everybody's busy or elon's you know doing the algorithm against us or something but anyway not that I can see. Probably just tired from a late night at the stadium on a Wednesday. Probably. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So I'm going to go into the email. I know we got some questions there. And we're going to have uh, some questions from a couple more Daves. We already had two Daves on the show. So let's have some more Daves. Uh, it's a Dave full podcast. It's a Dave, Dave world. 
Dave Hoffman writes to us and he says, Ugh, I despise Jose Martinez. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, he says the bright side is the union needed this one his one-time chip and VAR to get a draw. His one in a million 40-yard half volley laser off the post equalizer in the 90th minute for his first MLS goal was less likely than a San Jose fan kicking a ball from the 18-yard box to stop exactly on the center dot. Uh, you know what he's talking about there, Dave? I don't because I've been tired. That's okay. There was a uh, a fan contest at halftime of a San Jose Earthquakes game where they were had to kick as close as they could to the center dot from the top of the 18 to I forget what the prize was, but I think it was pretty substantial. Anyway, somebody was like within a few yards of the dot and seemed like a sure winner. And this this person just kicked the ball. It not even that hard. Like I didn't, it didn't even seem like it was going to make it to midfield and it stopped exactly on the center circle dot. Oh, wow. I'll have to go find that. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, Dave says, I'm a sucker for those things. Beat the freeze, which I guess is something they do at Braves baseball games. Half court shots, pucking the super small goal, baby races. Why doesn't Orlando have any silly halftime fan engagement entertainment? What would you suggest? Um, Why don't they? Uh, They're trying to be serious and they've got a um a whole list of other things they're trying to do ahead of that including like you know have better food at the stadium and things like that that they've been working on um that's my guess as for the actual why uh as far as what i would suggest um i'm i'm a sucker for kids being on the field and being able to kick balls so i would you know something like that along those lines um you know love the uh you know kind of the baseball bobblehead uh racist um type thing that's cool you know if you got like the people in the blow up bobbleheads mm-hmm. um so i you know look when you're going to do something that like that look to the experts look to triple a ball yeah that's um, what's that. yeah i i think they don't because they're not silly they don't have silly things because they're not silly it's not a silly organization they're very serious um, they are very serious they they I know they turned the sprinklers on at halftime and wet the field back down. I don't know how much, you know, the climate has to do with, you know, needing to water the grass more maybe than some other areas. But um, so I don't, I can't speak to why they don't do it. Uh, I guess I can ask somebody, but they're pro- I'm probably going to get the answer. You know, we don't want to mess up the field or something along those lines. What I like, I, I got three words for you for entertainment at halftime. Three words, dogs and Frisbees. Nice. I like those like high flying canine frisbee acts that can like really get up there and do do fun stuff. That's that's kind of probably my my jam. I get, I, I'm on board with that. Yeah. All right. Good question, Dave Huffman. Appreciate it. Let's move on to another Dave. Dave. All right, Dave. David oh, no, Victor. Dave. David, David Victor. Victor. He's our friend, friend of the pod. He says, hello, Michael and Dave. What are your thoughts on Greg Berhalter not coaching the U.S. men's national team for the World Cup after being renamed as head coach? I think he means Gold Cup. Uh, oh, okay. I was going to say, because yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure they brought yeah. him back. What, you, what, you, what are your thoughts on Greg Berhalter not? It says the World Cup, but I'm pretty sure he means Gold Cup because he says, uh, should he be coaching this tournament? Not necessarily. Um, you know, BJ's done a heck of a job, uh, as an interim coach. So, 
let them keep going. And here's the thing. Berhalter did coach this. Uh, everything that that team is doing is from his time as coach. Um, they haven't really changed anything. Mm-hmm. You know, the interim coaches kept things going. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I've listened to all the interviews. I've listened to, I, I sat in on the, the press conference. And basically the, the idea is, look, um, this is two different tenures. So you had the one where it went through the World Cup and then he stopped. And now we're bringing him in and it's a new tenure. So he's not just going to slide back in and have everything as uh, it was before. He's going to come in as if he was any other new coach, although he's not, um, you know, do the evaluations, figure out where they want to go, have the conversations and all that takes time. Um, the, the players are prepped. There's no need for him to come in and create a distraction. Uh, they're, they've got to be the favorites going into this after nation's league. So don't mess with it, get through that and then, and then deal with everything. Yeah, I'm a little split on this. I think one, you've got this isn't the A team, so uh, you know this isn't the group that's going to be primarily. This isn't the group that's going to be in the World Cup. But I do think there's value in having Greg coaching some of the younger guys that have been called up, some of the new guys, guys like John Tolkien, for example. But sure. um, and then on the plus uh, on the other side of it, I, I I see you know this guy's. He didn't know he was going to get hired back for a long time. He had to make other plans to to make income and things. We don't know what he's got going on. We don't know if he's got speaking engagements lined up or whatever he, else he might be doing. Um, I, I don't know. So there's probably a reason why he's he's not you know in this. Plus, you know, he was just hired recently. It was it's only been a week. So you know, getting your house in order and and getting prepared to do the job. Uh, I think is is part of that. So I, I think that's why he's not doing it. So I'm not bothered that he's not doing it, uh, but I could see pluses and minuses to whether or not he should be doing it. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with this. And uh, I, I don't begrudge anybody for being mad that he's not coaching them, but I, I urge you to say it's just, and I urge this for everybody, for everything and all things in life. You, nobody knows what somebody else has got going on. So try not to get mad without having all of the facts. You're not, you're not living their lives. And, and, and I'm not saying David Victor is mad about it. I'm just, he might be just be curious, but you know, we don't, we don't ever really know what's going on in someone else's life. We, we can, we're outside observers. So cut some people, some slack. I mean, it's a, it's a, the world's a much nicer place when everybody's kind of taking it easy on each other. Yeah. Take a beat. Think about things for a minute. All right. Uh, thanks for the question. Good question from David Victor. All of the Daves. Thank you so much. Uh, that's was- all we got. That's all we got in the, the mailbag box for this show. And um, again, get your questions in for next time. Hit us up on Twitter at the mainland with the hashtag AskTMLPC or email us at the mainland at gmail.com. And you can put AskTMLPC in the subject line or fill out the form on the mainland podcast page of the mainland.com. All things you can do. Another thing we love it when you do is to go to wherever you get your podcast, rate us, review us, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're downloading the show every time. And uh, that would help us a lot. It costs you nothing and takes no time out of your day, really, to speak of. And uh, if you do happen to write a five-star rating with a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on the show. 
And we didn't have any new ones since the earlier show this week, Dave, but that's okay because we're still basking in the glow of our most recent five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We are. Uh, Michael is right. We do love that. But, you know, I, I don't want to seem too greedy. I also want to emphasize that you don't have to be named Dave to either submit a question or a review. Uh, I know that that's what we had this, you know, podcast, but all names are welcome. That is true. I can vouch for that. We've had we've had emails from people named Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Lee. Yeah. We had, we've had We've had tweets from people named Spot. I guess that's a, a nickname, probably more than a name. Yeah, probably. But tweets regardless, we've had tweets. We've had forms filled out from a guy named Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. I mean, he does it a lot, too. Not that I'm complaining mm-hmm. unless he does his homework. Yeah. So anyway, you, yeah. Name isn't isn't that important. Uh, I mean, it is to you, but it, to us, you could be named Aloysius and we'll still read your name on the, your your email on the uh or your question, whether it's emailed or tweeted on the air. So uh, get those questions in. Um, another thing, I'm just going to give you this uh, out there and, you know, do with it what you will. Please go to buymeacoffee.com slash the mainland. Look at our offerings and see if you maybe want a little bit more uh, value for supporting our show and for supporting our website because we are independent and we are uh, what independent really means is that we are dependent on some sort of income to pay bills. So it's, it's we're, independent, we're, but is it? <laughs> well, we're, we're reader and listener dependent. Yes, we are. Uh, and, and we need the support uh, because that's what keeps the lights on around here and keeps things going. So I would urge you to do that. One thing that I was able to do is to get early word about that, Yvonne Angulo loan extension out to our, our subscribers today. They got to know before anything was released or anything was out in the public. Now, granted, that's not necessarily like huge news because we all figured Orlando city would extend him, but the timing of it, those guys got it first. They they did. And I know that because, uh, I got it in my email. I will add, um, on top of things like that, you know, getting those little, cool little and it was a surprise the email i should say was a surprise to me i was like oh oh okay cool um there's a newsletter that we we do for our subscribers Mm -hmm. um and there's some uh, this is stuff that doesn't get published on the site um this is exclusive content it's not a lot of it but you know it's a nice little uh, bite-sized newsletter that you get that uh give you a little extra insight um you know the those on staff we We'll do a little bit of a piece um, on something that we're thinking about. Uh, the the last one had to do with my thoughts on Duncan McGuire. And guess what? He got the newsletter bump and got a goal. So you might want to read that stuff. There you go. One of my favorite perks is well, nobody's taken us up on this yet, but it, it requires you to be uh, a subscriber at the uh, designated player level for a minimum of two months. And at that point, you can ask us to do a show about any topic you want. You can you can get us to do a show on any topic you want. That is one of the perks of being a designated player for two months or longer. You have the opportunity to say, I think it would be interesting if Michael and Dave did a show on whatever the topic is, Secret Invasion or whatever. Um, yeah, I, 
Yeah, you're the uh, you're you're the you're the idea person for the podcast. You're yeah. you're the the grand idea. You're like, ah, let's talk about this, and then we go. Uh, of course, absolutely, we'll talk about that. Yeah, and I mean, it could be it's on the topic of your choice. So if you just want to mess with us and make us like do a podcast about Spice World and just to make us watch Spice World, we'll do it for you. Yeah, yeah, we will. You can commission a podcast uh, on anything you want in in just two months of designated player status. So uh, we're now coming up on renewals for a second month from when we started this. So uh, we may be getting some commissions. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Looking forward to it. All right. But please go to buymeacoffee.com slash the mainland and uh, just take a look at what we are offering. And that's what's in writing. We got other stuff. We've already done a, a, a we've already done a rewatch of Orlando City's win over Inter Miami. Uh, we might do like the Ted Lasso finale or the premiere. You know, you never know what we're going to do, but that's going to be exclusive stuff. And uh, and we might just have the we might just have like ask us anything Zoom calls. That'd be cool. Yeah, all kinds of stuff that we can uh, we can get into. So uh, we're only limited by your imagination and by our number of subscribers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right, Dave, the beautiful game is on Friday. Mm-hmm. Orlando will play host at Exploria Stadium to some big name soccer players, players like Roberto Carlos and Ronaldinho and former Orlando City captain Nani. Oh, yeah. Nani's back in town, baby. I will be there to cover that for the site and uh, probably live tweeted as well. So that's coming up Friday night or tonight as this drops on a Friday. And, uh, yeah, that should be fun. A little bit different. No pressure. Don't care who wins. That's always nice when you do, you don't have a a dog in the fight and uh, you can just sit back and relax and not be stressed out. Uh, also want to mention OCB is off this weekend. So no OCB minute or longer. And Dave, that brings us to the end of the show. The only thing left for us to do is key matchups and predictions for the Seattle Sounders. As uh, we talked to our good friend, Dave Clark, we know all of the ins and outs of the Sounders. I, I, you know, they've got Rui Diaz back healthy again. They've got Nicholas Ladero healthy again, but they are missing some key pieces. As Dave mentioned for this, this gold cup thing that's happening. I can't say that I'm sad that Jordan Morris won't be there. Um, that, that makes me think there might be a chance, but uh, if you look at Seattle, they are currently third in the West behind LAFC and St. Louis. They are on 28 points, eight, seven, and four. So not far above 500, but uh, they have scored 24 goals and conceded only 18. So if you want to compare that, Orlando has scored one uh, or three fewer goals. I'm sorry, one more goal, 25 goals rather than 24. And Orlando has conceded 22, which is four more. So it seems like they should be maybe evenly matched teams. I hope so, but there's turf, there's travel, you know, it's, yep. uh, there's, there's a lot there's, going on there. You're right. Yeah. It's another game on turf, like you mentioned. And uh, if you uh, take a look at what Seattle has done this year, five, three and two at home. So they're not really like killing it. It's like, I mean, Houston is seven, one and one at home. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, but 
And then on the other side, Orlando, like Dave Clark mentioned, Orlando has been pretty good on the road, 4-2-2. Two, and two. Of course, they did lose their most recent road game on turf last Saturday at New England. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of factors involved. I think, um, you know, the Sounders have been missing some of their players, some of their key players at times, and that's kind of maybe kept them from getting into a, a groove. Uh, and they'll have some backups in the game for this. So. Where do you see the key matchup for Saturday night? Uh, for me, it's going to be uh, Orlando City's defense. You know, you you give up two goals at home. Um, that's never easy. Uh, you got to get mentally right. Fortunately, um, they will have Pedro Galese back and they will have Walter Cartagena back. So those help. But as our guest mentioned, um, you know, they've they've got some some fast guys on the wings and, and that can be trouble for our fullbacks, depending on how Oscar lines everybody up. So for me, it's how does the, the defensive mids and the back line uh, protect Pedro and how does Pedro uh, deal with, you know, the Seattle attack? Um, I think that, you know, when you're on the road, if you can get a goal and then do the defending, that's, that's, you, you kind of want to go steal one. And that's, and that's, I think where the most important part's going to be. All right, I'm going to say, Dave, that, and it's not just because you picked that. To me, I think it's important that Orlando scores goals, and okay. they don't score, tend to not score a lot of goals against Seattle's defense in, in years past. Um, although the last time they played, they did because, uh, but that was at home, and I think that was on normal rest, if memory serves. So, uh, Stefan Fry is a really good goalkeeper. They've got, mm-hmm. you know pretty good defenders uh they they've got big defenders they've got like guys that take up space but also can run so it's right. uh you you may think that you're in on goal but then they run you down so um yeah i i, I would like to see some goals in this game I, I think that can they beat the defense can they also beat stefan fry to me that's the key matchup i think if they can get the first goal that's going to be helpful if they can get the first and second goal also helpful yeah, after last match, I'd like them to get the first three, though. Yeah, well, you know, they got three of the first four. They just didn't get to keep one of them. Okay, I want them to get to keep all of them. Yes, uh, well, we we all want that. We all want justice in the world, but justice doesn't exist in the world. Evidently not. All right. Well, uh, as promised, what is your score prediction? All right. Uh, I am going to go with a 2-1 Seattle victory. I think that Orlando will get on the board, but I think that in the end, they wear down on the turf, on the road, third game in in 11 days. And then some of these guys have done some insane international travel from the other side of the world. Uh, That's hard to overcome. And I I, I don't think it's a terrible result if that happens. I would certainly much rather have a draw or a win. But um if they can hang with one of the top teams in the West, even though, uh, I mean, that that team's kind of an all-star team when they're all together. So the fact that you know they're going to be missing one or two of those guys uh, doesn't doesn't really uh, make me feel too much better. It's just kind of like when New England was missing Georgie Petrovich, but still had Gustavo Bo and Carlos Hill and all of those guys. So um, that's kind of the way I see it. So. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? You got a score prediction for me? 
Yeah, look, I'm just scared about the the turf and the travel and and you know the the players that they have uh, still and Stephen Fry and all of it. Um, but I, I'm I feel decent about having Pedro back uh, despite the travel. I think he's going to be well rested and having him in goal gives me hope. Um, Wilder Cartagena being there and being able to play with um, Araujo also gives me hope. So I, I'm going to say. Um, not quite as many goals get scored. Orlando does steal a point on the road. 1-1 one, one draw. Ah, so instead of stealing my score, you steal Dave Clark's score. I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I already knew what that was, and I still feel the same. <laughs> All right. Well, of course, we'll come back next week and see if either of us were right or if we were both horribly, hilariously wrong. Which has happened many times. Yes, yes, it has. Because soccer is a weird sport that is unpredictable. Yeah. Although I will say over the last couple of matches, um, between the two of us, we got the exact score each week. Or uh, each of the last three matches, I should oh, say. That's crazy. That's a cr- I mean, that streak can't continue. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So you, if, if you have any money, go to Vegas, bet it on not being a 2-1 loss or a 1-1 draw. Yeah. All right. Well, (laughs) yeah. All right. Well, we're going to come back next week for the first of our two shows. We're going to look back on the Seattle game. We will, of course, uh, talk a little bit about the beautiful game and we will get ready for OCB's home game against Philadelphia. Those are all things that we will talk about uh, on the first show of next week. And then when we get into the second show of next week, um, we can also maybe do a little bit of a, a gold cup, uh, update as to where we are uh, at that point the u.s will have played a couple of games though they will play jamaica and st kitts and nevis in group play and we will get ready for the lions hosting the chicago fire at exploria stadium on july 1st can you believe july is almost here already oh man well only because of the heat yeah uh Anyway, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for episode 355. Thanks again to Dave Clark for stopping by and the folks at Sounder at Heart. They also have a podcast and I was on their podcast. So if you want to hear what I said about the Lions on their show, you can uh, check that out. I'm not sure when that drops, but I imagine probably guessing sometime Friday on the 23rd of June, June year of our Lord 2023. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Read our stuff at the mainland.com. Like us on Facebook, follow Dave on Twitter at mainland. Dave, follow me at mainland, Michael, and follow the, the mainland itself at the mainland. And you can also follow our sister show, scope soccer at scope soccer, all of that on Twitter rate review, get your questions in all of those things. We will see you next week. Hopefully with three points coming home from Seattle, the only thing left for us to do, Dave, is to say what we do at the end, and that is go city.